It's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast, your district one and two stop down each week in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey joined by Ryan Skaggs, water pole as always. You uh, got to hydrate. So, so every time, if you're watching the video of this uh, on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, um, Ryan always takes a, a swig of water right as I'm bringing him on camera, on screen um, to, to talk. Uh, you're kind of like, do you ever watch uh, Sunday Night Football on mm-hmm. ABC? Yeah. And how Chris Collinsworth always slides in on it's the like chair. slides into the side, yeah, into the frame. That's yeah. your that's your Chris Collinsworth thing is drinking the water when I bring <laughs> you in. <laughs> I hope I'm a little bit better than Chris Collinsworth, but I'll, I'll yeah. It's the, thing, the thing about this guy is he's just special. Well, he can really take it to him. I mean, he's almost like John Madden, but without the effect. <laughs> He, he's like, he's like John Madden, but without all of the lovable traits that made people love. Yeah, John exactly, Madden. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's John Madden, except it's easy. He's easy to hate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So, anyways, with Chris Collinsworth, I'm Brandon Bainey, and this is the North Idaho Prepcast. Uh, we we got all, <laughs> we had a lot of I'll have to dress uh, up like team. Harry. I'll have to dress up like Harry Carey one of these days. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, for Halloween, we should we should do. Uh, that would be fun. That's next year. Like Marv Albert. People, right? <laughs> Dress up as your favorite sportscaster. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Good. Get a tweed I'll jacket. Be... <laughs> I'll dress up as Wayne DeZuback, former Idaho oh. Sports.com broadcaster. <laughs> like, Howard, Howard Cosell. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get a rained back in here. Uh, we are. We're nerding over as broadcasters. Yes, we'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you can tell we're broadcast nerds because uh, we're talking about all the different commentators and whatnot. Uh, okay, we are smack dab in the middle of spring sports. And uh, really, I wanted to start this week on the track and field side of things. Friendly reminder, we're recording this on Wednesday, April 19th. Tomorrow, April 20th, on IdahoSports.com, we will have our newly updated Tracking the Field. I will get up super early tomorrow, drink about seven cups of this and compile all of the new projections based upon the statewide leaderboards in track and field 5A all the way down to 1A, boys and girls. We also list the top individual in each event uh, for each classification as well. It takes a while to do, but uh, we've gotten really good response and feedback from it so far, and I enjoy doing it. The The adding up of the numbers isn't too complicated. You can't score more than 10, so for me it's easy math um, because I struggle otherwise. Uh, but with that said, we wanted to take a look at what's been happening in North Idaho for track and field, because specifically over the weekend at the Pasco Invitational uh, in the Tri-Cities area in Washington, um, Post Falls went over and competed, did really well. Uh, a lot of North Idaho teams were there, but Post Falls girls kind of take the story here because another school record has fallen at Post Falls High. Yeah, they got the uh, school record in the distance medley, which was pretty impressive. Um, a record, I believe, that was broken last year or the year before last. So it didn't last too long before this group, uh, you know, showed up and, and broke it this year. But, you know, Anna Peters has been on an absolute tear. Um, and, you know, we look at what that, that group's doing. But Capri Sims has been dominant in the event, the field events, too. So, 
you know, Post Falls have been showing up and showing out on the girls' side. And then the, on the boys' side, they've been, you know, pretty competitive as well, uh, especially in the 200. Uh, Kobe Cameron had a 22-6 uh, in the 200 at, a, at Pasco as well. But yeah. Lake City looked really good too on the boys' side, but we'll talk about them in a sec. Yes, for sure. So yeah, that Post Falls girls uh, distance medley team, which which isn't an event that's run at state. Instead, at the 5A level, they do the 4 by 800 I think is what it is. 4 by And see, this is the part I'm still learning because in Montana, we have the 4 by 1 and the 4 by 4 and that's it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all that's all Montana does for relays. Yeah, the 4 the 4 by 8 um, is, is what they officially run at state. So it's a little bit of a different, you know, distance for everybody, but, uh, Kaylin, uh, Misner, Kinley McLean, Kaylee Bowl, Anna Peters sets the new school record 12 minutes, 19.5 seconds. And a shout out to the quarter lane press for having that info, uh, there. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. When we talk about five, a track teams that are going to go down and compete at state, I could see post falls finishing top five in both boys and girls. A lot of things would have to break the right way, but I think of all the teams that are going from the North, I think post falls has the best chance on both sides to finish the highest, you know, Coeur d'Alene could be lingering too. They could be in the mix a little bit just with some of the times that they're turning in as of late, but yeah, I agree. I think post falls has the, the def- definitive chance um, of the schools up North to have top five finishes um, both boys and girls. Uh, the boys team, you know, we're, we're seeing weather warm up a little bit now. And so we're seeing the, the times come down, um, you know, which, which was a, to see it be expected. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next two weeks. Um, I'd look at that. That's kind of like the point in the season where if you're going to start seeing some numbers be shredded, um, it's going to happen, you know, in the near future, I think, especially with weather warming up um, and conditions kind of allow that to happen. Um yeah, I mean, Pasco is a great event. It's a huge meet, too. And, I mean, you had, like, schools from Boise there, too. Like, Rocky Mountain, I know, was super competitive there this last weekend as well. Um, but that uh, that's a good litmus test, I think. Kind of a preemptive look at what state, you know, is going to look like. Where the 4 by 4 team from Post Falls, you know, runs a 408. I mean, that's that's a pretty competitive time um, that's going to hold pretty well at state. I mean, that's a, that's the number four time in the state right now. But, you know, if they can shave on those splits a couple seconds off, um, you know, that that's a team that could have a podium finish. So uh, it'll be really interesting on the girls' side how things shake out. And then, you know, District 1, I think, could have a pretty decent showing in the field events for sure. I mean, between Capri Sims and Zoe Kessinger from Lewiston, uh, Kelsey Carroll has been doing pretty well in the disc as well. Um, you know, Capri Sims now in the top five in the disc. So there's uh the field events looking pretty strong for some of the North contenders up here. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, K- Kinley McLean in, in the short sprints, uh, ha- has a chance to score some points for post falls. I don't think anyone's going to touch Anna Peters in the distance races, especially the two mile. Um, but, uh, Olivia may, of Coeur d'Alene, uh, young freshman coming on strong here. Uh, she finished right behind Anna Peters in the 1600 at the Pasco invite. Yeah. And she has now the second best time in the whole state only behind well, look at, Anna Peters. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to look at Kytriana Burrell from Coeur d'Alene too. I mean, she's got the number three time in the 200 and she ran that this last week in a Pasco of 2606. I mean, there's, there's some speed that's going to show up, I think from the North, you know, I don't know if you got the top heavy teams like Rocky and Boise, but certainly you're going to have some really strong finishes from individual performers for both Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene. 
Yeah, Boise is still going to be so hard to topple just because yep. of their strength and numbers, especially <laughs> in the distance races and in the jumps and the, in the pole vault. But um, yes, uh, things are looking good uh, for North Idaho on the girls' side, especially from Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene. Uh, and then on the boys' side, you know, I really do think it's Post Falls. And I, I think this is where Post Falls has a chance to, you know, a lot of things would have to break the right way, but I, I think they could get a, a trophy, you know, they could get a top three finish. It would be, you know, they, a lot would have to come together, but I can kind of see it in my head. Yeah. I mean, you look at the 200, you got Kobe Cameron and Dylan Wolf are right there at 22.66 and 22.69. Um, you know, and then one of them, I mean, Kobe's a, just a sophomore too. Um, we all, we all know about Trevor Cogley and what he's doing at Lake city, you know, the Boise state commit, but, um, yeah, those post falls boys. I mean, I know that coach etch is really high on what he's got on his team and especially in the sprints and the, the relays, the boys relay teams are, um, you know, catching on a little bit. I think they're getting better week to week. There's some times though, I mean, just looking at it, they're, they're going to be hard to catch like Kuna right now in the four by two at 127. That's pretty dang strong. So, um, you know, I think that it's just going to take consistency from, from post falls to get a podium finish and, you know, I think Trevor Cogley is going to, he's going to, he's going to get it. I really do feel he's going to get a couple gold medals at state, but um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see him kind of scanning through some of the, uh, the field events that don't necessarily get as much notoriety, but you know, Trevor Miller in the disc uh, for post falls and then James white for Lewiston are both in the top three. Um, and James White's also in top three in shot. So, yeah, there's guys up north, District 1 and 2, I think will be, do pretty well come, you know, 5A state. Yeah, and Miller is ranked fifth in the shot put currently. That discus throw of 168 feet, 6 inches, new PR, personal yeah. record, set at the Pasco invite. Um, he's not that far behind the, the leader from Centennial, Kai Twaddle Dunham. Yeah. Uh, just, just four feet, basically. Um, so, he could make Trent McLean has held the, the, the top mark for the high jump ball here so far. So yes, he was, he was tied with a bunch of guys at six foot two. And then he cleared six, four at the Lewiston invite. And nobody else has been able to clear that since. And so Trenton McLean, the sophomore doing a good job there. And then Alex Shields is also top 10 right now in the triple jump. So I think there's some potential there for post falls. Certainly. Um, also, we had to talk about at the Pasco invite, Rusty Lee from Sandpoint. You know, you yeah. want to talk about one of the better all-around individuals in North Idaho. Man, Rusty Lee looking good again. Yeah, Rusty's been, I mean, showing up. He's we have been talking about in the last few years about his prowess in the 300 hurdles. And he is really he's flipped the switch in the one on the 110. Um, you know, with the leading mark in the state at 1436 that he set this last weekend. I mean, he's he's burning the field by over a second um in the in the 110 hurdles so you know if you look at what's going on 4a wise i mean you got three um sorry i was looking at district one and two so he's beating the district one and two kids by by a full second um but the next closest um cohort but i mean he's still got a good half second on uh augustus haynes um haynes from ridgeview so you know i Sandpoint Rusty can he's got the top mark in the 300 hurdles now as well. The Lakeland still has the top four by one, so I think that there's going to be, um, you know, state track is well represented from one and two. I just don't know if we're going to get the, the team title, it's going to be just so dang hard to attain. I think for any of these, any of these groups, yeah, definitely. So, Rusty Lee, um, 
battled the best Augustus Haynes Ridgeview went up to the Pasco invite last week, which is unusual for a team in the Boise area. But, um, and and those two went mano a mano in the one ten hurdles and rusty Lee ran basically half a second faster, 1436 to 1486. And he now has basically more than half a second on Haynes in the 300 hurdles. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, rusty Lee look out. Uh, but, but at the same time, Moscow has a couple of good hurdlers in the Skinners. Zach Skinner mm-hmm. and Caleb Skinner are both top ten in yeah. both of those. So yeah, I mean they're not they're not going to catch Rusty necessarily right now, but um, as far as getting points and, and showing up at state, I think they're certainly going to get some team points uh, for the Bears. Got to give a little love to Lakeland as well. Uh, at the very first invite of the year, the Sweeney invite in Lewiston, the. Uh, Lakeland four by one relay team of Thomas Calder, Nick Noel, Terry Edwards, and Weston Saputsky uh, ran a 43 41. Nobody has touched it since in the four A race. That's fast. <laughs> well, and we've talked about this, especially <laughs> with all these football guys um, and, and the speed that Lakeland has had on the football field the past several years. And you kept going, yeah, just wait till you see him on, on the track. And yeah, we're, we're seeing yeah. it. <laughs> and, and, you know, you look at, like, who's missing from, you know, that lineup, too, is that they don't have John Cornish. And it's like you you kind of look at – and it ha- they haven't let up. Like, that's just the thing with with this lineup that, I mean, I look at what they're doing. That, that 4 by one relay team is just that's, – that's a blazing fast time for a 4A team. Um, you know, if they can turn it – you know, if they can get under that 43-2-9 – I mean, I look at that, and that's almost like an untouchable mark, I think, for the rest of the season um, if they can you know, turn times like that towards state. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Caleb Skinner also uh, performing well from Moscow in the long jump, in the triple jump, second best triple jump mark in 4A this year. Um, the uh, pole vaulting duo of Klein Fragoso and Slate Fragoso from Sandpoint uh, in the top five in the pole vault. And then Preston Jeffs of Lakeland um, had the top shot put throw for a while. He's been surpassed a couple of times, but he's thrown it over 50 feet, which is major league, 51 feet, two and a half inches. And he's also um, in the top 10 in the discus as well. So that's Preston Jeffs from Lakeland. He's a great offensive tackle as well on the football field. Um, and then in the high jump, Rusty Lee is currently fourth. He's cleared six foot one from Sandpoint. So a lot of good individuals from up north. Yeah, no, there's there really is. I mean, you can get into three A too and start picking that apart as well. I mean, Aisha Abubakari from Bonners Ferry has been doing really, really well too for the Badgers. So there's a there's a lot of of bright spots statewide. I think right now, um, individuals that are really making their name known in the in the track circuit. Yeah, uh, Aisha Abubakari in the throwing events, uh, top shot put throw, top discus throw. Uh, the, her shot put throw in particular um, is, <laughs> you know, five feet ahead of the next person, which is her teammate, sophomore Helen Ray. So, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. you know, um, in fact, Bonner's Ferry has three of the top three four shot in put shot throw. and disc. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 in the three A ranks. Yes. Um, and then Bonner's has four of the top seven in the disc. So I don't know what's going on up there with the throwers at Bonner's it's in Ferry. the water, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> man, that's pretty impressive. And and it's because Timberlake has had pretty much, you know, really good throwers the past couple of years. And so, well, and Asia is also a third in the long jump right now. So. Yeah. 
just a good athlete. Yeah, pretty major league. And then, you know, when you talk about 3A boys, um, you have to talk about Jacob Barnhart from Timberlake um, in the distance races. He's really been performing well this year. And we we kind of forget about this school sometimes because they don't compete in every sport. But Coeur d'Alene Charter in yep. the distance races as well, usually really, really good. And specifically this year, McKenna Kozala on the girls' side, uh, she was your cross-country champion in the 3A ranks. Uh, she's also kind of the favorite in the 3A distance races also. So keep an eye on Coeur d'Alene Charter as well. Yeah, and Timberlake's got the, you know, Caius Tabby in the 110 hurdles with the top 3A time for the boys as well. So, yeah. you know, there's there's going to be a decent showing, I think, from the Tigers uh, on the boys' side at the state meet for sure. Yeah, a lot of good track and field action, and we'll try to bring you kind of the, the highlights each week on what stood out to us. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep doing that as the spring sports season progresses. Let's talk a little baseball because we've had a lot of crazy activity. Um, <laughs> I feel like we got to start in the White Pine League all the way down at the 1A level. You and I were looking at the standings before. Down we is down up, there. up is down. <laughs> it's it's wild, man. It's it, We wouldn't expect any less, though, right? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing like – what six place swings like on teams just on a given weekend like it's nuts but um you know we asked like hey what's Clearwater Valley gonna do they've had so many rainouts or snowouts you know early in the year and they've been able to get some games and they're on a roll five and zero in conference play I mean they're eight and six overall right now um you know but they're doing it with with pitching and defense I mean they're you know only giving up five runs a game so um you know in high school ball that's that's gonna keep you competitive so but, you know, you look at it, we we're like talking, you know, singing the praises of Kendrick. Kendrick's the best pitching and defensive team in, in 1A baseball. And they're sitting one and three in the league and six and five overall. Like, it's just, you look at this conference, it's like, what in the world is going on? But yeah, it's just, uh, it's a wacky, wacky league. Yeah, and 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 Clearwater Valley has won a lot of tight games. They beat Kendrick nine to eight at the South Fork Slugfest. Uh, earlier this year that didn't count in the conference standings they swept Kendrick last night three to one and five to two and those are relatively tight games uh they beat potlatch on Saturday to, uh, uh sorry I was looking at the Lapoy game they, they beat Lapoy 20 to nothing on Friday and then they played potlatch on Saturday and won three to two in 10 innings <laughs> so they're finding ways to win yeah no that 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 league I mean you look going into districts is that's gonna be the district tournament could be better than the state tournament. I mean, I don't really want to say that, but I mean, realism, like there's, there's a solid five teams, six teams there that are all worthy of playing at state. In my opinion, let's be honest. The, the semifinals at the one, a state tournament is going to be all white pine league teams anyways. So what, whatever, it's going to be just like district. I don't know. Vision charter is averaging 17 runs per game, but <laughs> the, the, the competition level down there is just not the same. And you know, I got to go on the treasure Valley prep cast after we're done with this. And you know, but it, it, it is, it, is that Logan just, doing it with you. Yes. Yeah. Then just roll Logan. Like, <laughs> Right? Rub his it, nose in it. It's, that's that's just the reality of it. I did see as well the state one A baseball tournament got moved. It got moved up earlier in the week. So it's really, gonna be, yes, it's going to be on like Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday now. So oof, 
but it's at church field we might have to yeah we might have to um, amend broadcast plans there yeah so we'll (laughs) We'll talk talk about about that that offline yes yeah we'll (laughs) we'll talk about that offline that that but the 1a state baseball tournament is now wednesday thursday and friday uh there at the end of may um okay let's talk about so clearwater valley's five and oh in the league prairie is five and oh in the league and wouldn't you know it who's coming to kuski this uh this thursday night the prairie pirates for the first of two regular season matchups they'll also play in cottonwood on may 2nd winner of this will be in the driver's seat yeah i mean you look but does the driver's seat matter in this league i mean it's it doesn't it doesn't i mean gosh (laughs) it's just so tough i mean you really look realistically the top six teams are all state caliber teams they really are um you know we'll find out who's a pretender in that list i don't want to you know poo poo the parade for lewis county um they've got they're two and two in league but they haven't played that top half of that conference yet so it'll be interesting to see what you know that that co-op team can do um troy with run production though they're a dangerous team i mean they're averaging 11 runs a game offensively that's a uh you know a lurking giant i think a little bit they did lose a few guys from last year's roster but they returned quite a few so yeah pitching and defense wins championships so and i look at that and i'm still not counting out kendrick down the stretch i really am not yeah and i I misspoke earlier prairie is five and one in league play they did lose to kendrick earlier this year so kendrick is is two and three in conference prairie is five and one troy is three and one and troy comes to kuski at the very end of the regular season saturday may 6th for a high noon double header with the rams you could be looking at the white pine championship possibly. It'd be like 85 degrees in kuski that day too just yeah. the weather the way it is in late may up here it yeah. could be hot and you could see the ball flying around the park there that could be a, an absolute um slug fest yeah josh bradley doing a great job with the uh, clearwater valley baseball team to be sure um let's talk about i wanted to highlight a couple of two-way standouts uh, in baseball really quickly as well from earlier this week. Uh, in the 2A Central Idaho League, when you look at the standings right now, Orofino still head of the class, 2-0. and It's like, when are we going to start playing some conference games, y'all? Like, Orofino's <laughs> only played two league games. Grangeville's only played one. Like, let's well, get it going. Snow. Grangeville had snow yesterday, so. Yeah, it, it is. So here's Grangeville's schedule the rest of the way. Saturday, doubleheader with Kellogg. Tuesday, doubleheader with Orofino. Thursday, doubleheader with St. Mary's. Saturday, doubleheader with Orofino. And then Monday to wrap up the season, one game with St. Mary's. So it's going to be a mad sprint to the finish line here for Grangeville. Uh, but the Bulldogs are 1-0. They got a tight one to nothing win over Kellogg last night. Can't get any closer than that. And Sam Lindsley delivered on the mound, nearly threw a no hitter. He had he yeah. had a he had a no hitter going into the seventh and final inning. Reed Whatcott from Kellogg got a little base hit to to spoil the no no. But it's a one hitter for Lindsley with seventeen strikeouts. Yeah, no, that's just that's a dominant performance. And I was looking at the run differential too. I mean they're defensively i mean we know orfino's really good right we we kind of settled on that one that we understand everybody's on the same page with that but uh grangeville could be one of those deadly teams i think coming down the stretch um just because they've got such good pitching i mean if they can keep 
you know, runners off the base paths, they're going to get themselves in ball games, especially if they can play good small ball and, and run the bases smart. Yeah, they could find themselves, you know, battling their way for a possible state berth, which would be huge for that program. And and I look at Kellogg, and you know, they've got they've got the potential, right? They've been a good program over the past several years, and the and the stats say that yeah, this should be a winning team. You know, they they're scoring eight point three runs per game. Now they're allowing six point five. That that's kind of on the high side. I'm sure they'd like to see that lowered a bit, but um, they've got a plus one and a half run differential and yet they're six and seven and yeah. one and three in league yeah, that's that's baseball just, man <laughs> baseball is one of those sports that just doesn't make sense because you can have one game they'll lose like 14 to three and it totally <laughs> whacks out your stats but you know and then you come back and win the next night like one to two one to nothing or like two to one or something like that so yeah i mean you just kind of have to like let this one settle i mean you look statewide and it's you know coal valley and nampa christian Firth is right in there and then Orfino. I mean, I kind of look statewide. That's those are your, you know, in my opinion, the the difference makers. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, you know, as we get towards May. Yeah. And uh Priest River is kind of playing not a full league schedule. Um, so I think it's kind of gonna be like the other sports where they'll go into districts as the uh number five seed overall. But Kellogg did play Priest River on Monday night. Got a 27 to 5 victory. Um, in the game, Logan Smith, a sophomore, went four for five with a home run, five RBIs, four runs scored, and he drew a walk in his other at bat. So all five times he came up, he got on base. That's also pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good showing. So yeah, I mean, as a coach, you would take that. Do they call them coaches in high school or is it managers too? <laughs> no, it's coach. Yeah, it's oh, coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when we're just gonna just skip. Hey, Skip. Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, and, and then you wanted to touch on uh, Lake City sweeps yeah. Coeur d'Alene last night in a 5A twin. Yeah. 5A Lake City showing up and they've been, you know, what a week or two it's been for Lake City athletics and spring sports. Um, you know, you look at what the T Wolves are doing in softball too. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute, but. The baseball team is just the bats have come alive. They've gotten great defense. They've had great pitching, um, you know, and they're looking at their record right now. They're what they're sitting at 13 and four overall 12 and 0 in league. That That is a absolutely, if you're first year coach, you're like looking at that record year one and you're like, this is a dream season right now. Um, especially with a team they thought that was going to be maybe in the middle of the league for most, um, most of the riders and everybody in this area. But, yeah, they're just playing really good ball right now. So they what almost a three run run differential. Um, so they're doing it defensively, but also offensively as well, averaging just over seven runs a game. Yep. Uh, you know who else has been uh, having having a good <laughs> having a good time? Bonner's Ferry, man. The the mm-hmm. Badgers in baseball. Uh, Friday, last Friday, they take on Timberlake in a doubleheader. Now they had split the first doubleheader of the season. And basically the setup was if they split again, they were going to have to play a single one-off game at the very end of the regular season in May to determine the regular season championship, right? Because in a two-team league, if they each went two and two, you, you got to figure it out somehow, right? So they would have met for a basically, you know, one game, winner-take-all di- division, regular season championship. The Denzel game. Cup. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that's exactly what Bonish. oh, great. 
we get to t- play Timberlake in extra time. We don't already get to play them enough, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, but Bonner's very took care of business. They sweep the yeah. Tigers. Um, and really, uh, then they parlay that into a Saturday sweep of St. Mary's as well in non-conference action. And all of a sudden Bonner's Ferry has picked up a little bit of momentum as we're going here. They're eight and six overall, but three and one in the league. And that's the important number. Yeah. And their bats are waking up too. I think that's the big part. We, we knew that they've got, you know, some players in their lineup, but they're able to, to get the bats alive and they're striking the ball pretty well. I mean, you look at that conference, obviously between the two teams in the, in the league, Timberlakes are a good ball club. I mean, there's a reason they split in that first series. Um, but I, I look at what the Badgers are doing down the stretch and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I still like Bonner's Ferry winning that conference. I think that they're going to, they could do pretty well at state too, just based on who they have, um, you know, on their roster, but um, their, their schedule's actually relatively difficult. If you really look at it, even though they're playing some of the smaller schools, I mean, there's a reason they're eight and six, like they've played decent teams and they haven't really picked up, um, I haven't looked at, I got to look at the rest of their schedule, but you know what they've had on their schedule. I mean, Orfino, they picked up a loss there, but they beat Weezer, beat Grangeville. Um, you know, they picked up a loss, which this one to Grangeville is kind of puzzling. Um, and then losing the Sandpoint, getting swept and blanked in that, in that doubleheader. Um, you know, if they can keep this momentum rolling though, cause they're, they're averaging over 10 runs a game in their last five games. That's impressive. So uh, we'll see what they can do. They got Priest River coming up on Friday, and then uh, Kellogg and Timberlake to finish up the regular season. So it'll be interesting what they can do. I think that they could really get on a run here and very easily win out. I mean, that, they could go into state with a, a really good looking record with only six six losses on the season. Yeah, uh, got to give a shout out to Blake Rice over the weekend. He he pretty much holds down shortstop for the Badgers. Um, he was, so he hit three home runs across the four <laughs> games. <laughs> he had one against Timberlake and then he had two against St. Mary's on Saturday for, for the four game weekend <sighs> set Blake rice, 17 at bats. Not, he was nine for 17. <laughs> that is, that is batting over 500 <laughs> on the weekend. He had three home runs, three doubles, three singles, 12 RBIs. Nine runs scored. So every time he got a hit, he came around to score. And he was also hit by a pitch. <laughs> Three home runs in four games. Blake Rice. <laughs> Have you ever seen Blake in person? Yes. Big tall he's guy. A, he's a big kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a big kid. I mean, there's a reason he's hit, he's crushing homers right now. He's hitting dingers. And uh, yeah, that's a that's an impressive feat. I mean, you look at that in high school, you're able to bat in the stretch like that, hit over 500 with the product run production that like that. That is insanity. That's insane. That's that's awesome. Hopefully he's on your list as far as heavy hitters. Oh, think. yes. He made the list this week. Yes. I had a couple of <laughs> a couple of Bonners Ferry folks email me and go, hey, you should probably put this guy on your list. Um, And, and the reason I'm really excited about Bonners Ferry is, yeah, they can swing the bats, but. I think at the top of the rotation still, they've got two really good. They've got a nice one-two combo with uh, Bateman and Tegan Banning. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a righty lefty type thing. So they each throw from, from opposite sides. And that can be tough for teams, especially that haven't seen Bonner's Ferry at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you look at it. I mean, obviously Sandpoint 
was able to to put the bats to them, you know, in their games. But outside of that that series, I mean, you know, dropping the, the puzzling one to Grangeville, I think if you put those two teams against each other again, Bonner's Ferry very likely wins that game. But uh, especially the way they're hitting, like I said, the bats woke up. They were a little sleepy earlier in the year, but they they're on a tear right now. Their lowest production run wise in the last six games is ten runs. That's I don't care who you are. That's impressive. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on Bonner's Ferry as they're just rolling along. And on the softball side, Lake City just keeps rolling. Ten and two overall, seven and one in conference play. I will tell you, I just put together and and right before we hopped on to record the latest softball coaches poll for this week, Skags. And at the five A level, it was all Boise teams. Yeah. Nobody from the East, which Thunder Ridge deserves to be ranked. Thunder Ridge is 15 and one. And, and nobody from the North. And I think Lake city should probably be ranked in there. <laughs> sure. Thunder Ridge is 15 and one and giving up just like under three runs a game. Like, come yeah. on. Their I'll only give, loss. Their I'll only give Sean Kane some love over there. Like in the, on the East side of prep cast, like he's got, he's got a like genuine beef there. <laughs> yeah. All Boise teams in that top five in the coaches poll. So yeah. interesting stuff. I mean, it's a good, it is a good conference. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I like what the T-Wolves are doing down the stretch. Hill Bodak is playing insane ball right now for the T-Wolves. And, uh, you know, that's a big reason why they're, you know, on the, the run that they're on seven and one in conference and 10 and two overall, they're playing really good ball and, uh, you know, beating good teams in, in an impressive fashion too. Yep. And then uh, when you look at softball, there's kind of a separation in, in 1A, the White Pine League. I wanted to touch on it real quick. To me, there's a clear top four, Potlatch, Kendrick, Clearwater Valley, Genesee. And then you have Lapway, Lewis County, Kamii, all kind of on the other side of the coin. Um, and really, you know, Potlatch is the favorite, right? They're, they've been the premier team the past couple of years. But I'm kind of looking at Clearwater Valley. Uh, Jessica Katola is a great pitcher. Uh, for the Rams in the circle and can be a difference maker. So I don't know. Um, Potlatch did just beat Clearwater Valley on Saturday, but they were both very tight games. The first one was four to three in nine innings. So it went extras. And the second game was two to one. So a pair of one run wins. So I think, you know, the gap between CB and Potlatch is pretty narrow. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm looking at another monitor. So if people are like, Ryan just stares off out of the space during the <laughs> prep cast. I'm looking at my second monitor. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's that, that conference, I think is deceptive. I mean, you look at the run differential and it makes sense. I mean, Polish, what they're doing though, is that not only do they pitch well, but they hit extremely well. I mean, averaging nearly 14 runs a game. Um, they're a run differential of 11 runs. That's that's going to win you some titles. Like, I don't care who you are. That's that's impressive feat. Um, you know, and then Clearwater Valley, I think, is the next most impressive stat, but they're sitting at third in conference, you know, only giving up barely two runs a game. So, you know, if they can get some offense put together, that team is a – that's a lethal lineup. Kendrick just – they hit the snot out of the ball. Let's just be honest about that. I mean, hitting nearly 14 runs a game in Genesee too. So, I mean, you look at that conference – if pitching's off one night, you know, either of those teams will make you pay. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out, I think, for second place. I mean, I look at first, Paul that just kind of has that stranglehold. But um, Colorado Valley, with the pitching, the way they've been able to throw off the mound, I think is what's going to set them apart down the stretch if they're going to be able to handcuff some of those better hitters. 
Yeah. So basically, uh, <coughs> over their last four games, Kendrick is four and zero with uh, a pair of wins over Lapway and Lewis County. And in those four games, they outscored their opposition eighty-seven to. <laughs> let me do the math here. Eighty-seven to eighteen. It's like Kendrick's football team. <laughs> 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 right. We're going to that since football season. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so that's, I, that's, an, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Ken, Kendrick gets potlatch at potlatch Thursday. Um, but to me, that is kind of the last opportunity for, for potlatch because they've already played CB twice and, and got the two wins there. Uh, they've played Genesee once, I, I want to say. Let me double-check that. Yeah, they've played Genesee once, and so they played Genesee at the end of the year. So if somebody's going to catch Potlatch, you know, Kendrick and and Genesee are probably going to have to beat the loggers each. Here's here's the game that I'm looking forward to, and it's a non-conference one. Friday, April 21st. Yeah, at St. Mary's. St. Mary's and Potlatch. You got the loggers and the lumberjacks going off. That's going to be a dandy, dandy of a game. So – yeah, that one should be that should be a fun one to watch and keep our eye on because Tacey Watkins is still spinning it right now. <laughs> so. Yes, we have to get in our obligatory Tacey Watkins reference here on the uh, prep cast. This, this is the uh, Tacey Watkins prep cast, also with other North Idaho sports. Yes, <laughs> right. So that's what's happening in softball. All right, before we duck out of here, there's been murmurings going on about uh this new law that's uh going into effect this summer uh it was passed by the idaho state legislature and essentially it's going to make every public high school in idaho um it's going to make every public high school adapt and adopt open enrollment policies now yeah probably i think like probably two-thirds of the schools in the state already have an open enrollment policy. Pocatello used to have it for a really long time. They just did away with it. But um, now basically it's going to be, I'm going to school a, and I get three weeks in and all of a sudden I want to switch schools and I'm going to be able to. So the big question is how will that affect athletics? And the answer is we're not sure. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, that's the, 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 I mean, they didn't even address that at the, the recent meeting. As far as I checked notes from the IHSAA meeting a couple weeks ago, and we talked about classification stuff that they had discussed, but nothing was discussed about this open enrollment thing. Um, I think they're hoping that it's going to be business as usual with the current transfer rules that are in place. However, now that open enrollment is a state law um, and you can't restrict a child's access to, to education and school uh, from school to school, you could flat say like, you know, IHSA historically said what, like we're going, you, you have to have a good reason to move. You have to be like moving from school a to town B and it has to make sense in order for us to grant you access to transfer to where now state law says it doesn't matter. Like I can go wherever I want. So how are you going to restrict me? So it almost looks like, are we going to see a transfer portal of sorts in Idaho high schools? And I think we'll really see it. If we see it anywhere, it's going to probably happen down South in the, in the treasure Valley is where it's going to probably rear its nasty head if it's allowed, but it'll be interesting to see what the, what the board does um, with that access because of 
now it has legal ramifications. Is there going to be litigious action that could take place if a parent doesn't get access for their kid to play varsity athletics? Yeah, and that's that's the big thing is um, the IHSAA can can try to enforce what they have, but um, parents could easily come in and say, hey, you know, open enrollment and I want my kid to play now. And I, yeah. I don't know how that gets sorted out. Uh, the attorneys are probably going, oh, yeah, we'll we'll take care of it. We'll, <laughs> we'll collect our hefty fees. And uh, we got into the wrong line of work, Ryan. Yeah, you can charge me a $5,000 retainer to do this prep cast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. No, it's, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see. And I, if they don't address it soon, I mean, things could get really interesting come June because we're not far from June right now. I and mean, we're six weeks away um, from where we're going to have summer practices opening up and camps being able to um, open up and school is going to be out. So like, what do you, you're going to be able to make your decision last day of school. It's going to be good now for 2023, 2024. Things could get real interesting really fast if they don't make a decision quickly about how to handle this issue. Yeah, and there's not an easy answer. So no, you know, I, can, no, no, I don't I, envy the position at all. Like I, that's that's a tough one to match. I can I can certainly appreciate the IHSA wanting to take their time on this uh, because it is a delicate delicate topic to be sure. Specifically for North Idaho, I think how it could affect things is not necessarily kids going from one North Idaho school to another. Like maybe that'll happen, but I think more those kids in Washington. Yeah, you could, you could you could come on over and play right away. Let's yeah, do it. and that's that. I mean, we've we've seen kids from Idaho go to Washington and play at like Gonzaga Prep. Like that's happened, and that's happened. You know, in the last ten years. Um, what I I mean, Lakeland's already open enrollment anyways. Like Lakeland School District, it's not going to make a difference. What I look at is how is it going to affect the levies? So with this new law. You know, where's the funding coming from? Because you already have a levy that failed in Coeur d'Alene, you know, last month. The levy failed in the Lakeland School District last month. So they're having to rerun these. Now with this like looming thing there in the picture as far as funding athletics, is that going to make people change their mind as far as post falls past theirs? Is post falls going to reap some of these benefits if they're not being threatened with having JV athletics being canceled? So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Yeah. One last point. If I'm like a soccer player and Washington has a spring season and Idaho has oh. a fall season, what's, what's going to stop me from living in Washington playing in the spring and then going, nah, you know, I'm going to head to Idaho, play, play a little fall soccer. And that happened, that happened during COVID where Washington moved that one year, they moved all of their sports to the spring. Remember <laughs> football, basketball, everything Every was season just- was only four weeks long. <laughs> yeah. There was there were some kids that hopped the border and played, I believe, at Priest River, um, and then they hopped back and played spring basketball in Washington. And I had a f- yeah. fan from a school send me an email and go, "Hey, this can't be legal. They can't do this." I was like, "It's Washington's problem. <laughs> They're in Washington now." What do you- the WIA has got different rules. <laughs> yeah, what do you? Yeah, what do you a mean? whole different set of rules over there. So yeah, you know, we we talk about you. Th- we think we've got enrollment issues here in Idaho. You need to go over there and look at what's going on down the, down I ninety. It's it's a different animal. In more ways than one, there's a yes. lot of there's a lot of stuff. I'm glad doesn't happen here that happens in Washington. So, anyways, 
before we get too yeah. far off the path. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I'll bring him. I'll bring him back in and tell you that uh, we will have another edition of the North Idaho Prepcast for you next week, where we will once again break down the biggest stories in District One and Two athletics in the state of Idaho. For Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.